talk about heaven, but realize that it is a prepared place for God's children. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, please come to know Him. Brody walked the aisle two weeks ago and accepted Christ as his Savior. It doesn't matter what we do in life. What matters more than anything is that souls are saved and lives are changed. And if you think for one minute that Satan hated that day, you better believe he hated it. He wants division and he wants us to not make heaven our focus. Would you agree we're a bunch of sinners living on this earthly life? But how great it will be as it says in Philippians that our vile, our sinful body will be changed into His glorious body into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. How wonderful is that? The new heaven and the new earth. Revelation chapter 21, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Can you imagine the second coming of Christ to the great tribulation, what it's going to be like? And for some of you young theologians, it's going to be... A a great, great day as we hear the great trumpet sound. But yet when God comes back and reestablishes heaven upon this earth, we can't even imagine its beauty, but we see in Revelation and through the prophetic message here what God's about to do. So listen closely. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them, And be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He is the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and amazing, sexually immoral... And sorcerers and idolaters and liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If that doesn't make you tremor in your socks, then nothing will. Let me tell you something. We have a responsibility to live a holy, righteous life. And if you don't, where's your place? I can't hear you. Hell in the lake of fire. So we have a responsibility to live a holy and righteous life. 
And there came, I got to stop right there just for a second. I don't know, I'm really moved to say this. It, it, it amazes me as a pastor. And I'm going to tell you this, I'm grieved with in my spirit because as I shared with Daniel, we were discussing Awana last night and Jason and Diana came over to the house and there's a pastor where I actually surrender to preach and it, it probably burdens me more than anything. And it's probably affected me more than it would some people because this church, which is by Chicago, has just lost their senior pastor, 15,000 members. And when I think about this pastor, I can't help but think about how he's fallen. And watch just how God works. Yesterday morning I was at one of my accounts and a man walked in and he said, Pastor, I think I know you. He didn't say pastor, he said, I think I know you. And I said, uh, you do. And I told him who I was. And he's like, I haven't seen you in years. So we proceeded to talk and he, and he moved at the countertop at ABC. There's stools there. And he moved the stool and moved it to the center of the, the store. And I thought, this is kind of awkward. I'm holding him up and he's holding a, a stool. But he began to tell me that this church had just lost their pastor. And that I need to be in prayer for them. And, you know, I knew who he referenced and what he said. And it saddens me to think that I grew up with this influence and that I grew up in this denomination. And I saw both sides of what life was all about. I saw the arrogant fundamentalism of the churches that I was in, and then I also saw the grace and compassion of the other. Well, after I was done speaking to him, he moved his stool back, got his order, and he left. Later on that day, I'm walking through Best Buy and yesterday afternoon, and this couple starts heading towards me. I looked at him, and I'm like, wow, there's a couple that was in my youth group that I haven't seen in a while that are on staff of this church of 15,000 people in Chicago. And I'm like, why are they here? And so I ran up, gave him a hug, and was excited to see him. And as I'm talking to him, he says, so how's everything over at New Hope? Pastor Todd, and I said, great, God's really doing some great things at our church. And so I proceeded to tell him, I said, how's everything at your church? He said, it's very sad. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, our pastor has fallen into moral failure. And I said, really? And that's all he said. And so my heart was grieved, and I went home and I thought, 15,000 people, he's going to be all over the news. So I Googled it. He has been all over Chicago news, all over news everywhere. We get in this pulpit, and it was sad because before I got there, and I don't know why I'm doing this, but God's leading me to say this, because I really want you to think about heaven this morning. But as I had this influence as a young man, I learned that in my denomination that I belonged to was so legalistic that it was always about the man instead of the Savior. And before we got to one of the, the news articles, he stood up there and this was his words. And I don't normally reference pastors, but my heart grieves for him and he needs prayer. I don't really care what the news has to say. I don't really care what they have to say about me. Because if it's in the book, then they can fight with him. Maybe I sound a little arrogant because maybe I am. I'm like, wow. 
if I'm a pastor, and I'm the man of God who's a representative of Jesus Christ, I certainly don't ever remember Jesus saying that to anybody. After that, he had a relation with a 16-year-old girl. That's a pastor. And I ask myself, where do we get distracted? What happens to us when we lose sight of the great commission and the calling of Jesus Christ our Lord? We're to forgive and we're to love. But I do want you to know something from the great book of Revelation. It says that murderers, whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, fornicators, will have their place in the lake of fire. And this morning, I don't have to get up here and kick and scream and preach a snort-firing hell, fire-brimstone message to let you know you need to get your heart right with God. Because it's about heaven. And if you've lost your focus on heaven, then you've lost it altogether. You know why I'm so heartbroken and my spirit is grieving? It's because we as Christians have put God on a shelf. And all of a sudden, as long as we have the big church with the big, huge amphitheater and the balconies and all the big people that stand behind us, then we're somebody. No, I'm a nobody. But I know I'm somebody through Christ. And I don't care what denomination or religion you come from. You've got to remember that Christ has got to be number one. And heaven must be your focus. Heaven's got to be your focus. And my heart grieves because here's a pastor who has fallen. 15,000 plus, plus, plus are now hurt because they did one thing. They put so much trust in a man. We need to put trust in God today. We need to remember what His Word says about heaven and what awaits for us in heaven. We have a responsibility. And church, it's not my responsibility. It's our responsibility to make sure that we do our part so when the new heaven and the new earth come together, that the kingdom of heaven will be a glorious place for all of us Christians that will someday be with Him. Let me just pray right here. Father, I just pray that right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that we remember that our role on this earth is about You, and it's about heaven, and it's about doing what we should do in our Christian walk. Lord, this morning, please forgive us, for we've put obstacles in our way, and we've put You for one day, my goodness, for three hours. We can't seem to set aside because there's priorities in our life that that have become uh, at the top of the list and Father you're at the bottom so please forgive me and Lord I just pray that that Lord you'll continue to shine your light and your Holy Spirit will flow from the heavens Father today like the old hymn says may heaven come down may glory fill our souls Father I uplift this dear brother in the Lord and I pray that reconciliation, restoration will take place and that, Father, that Your will would be done. Thank You, Father, for always bringing us back to the cross and to Calvary. And Lord, I just pray that Your Word will be real and be rich this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
the new Jerusalem, in verse 9 it says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Don't you love it? Everything's from God. I love that. Having the glory of God and, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And it had a wall great and high and had twelve gates and the gates twelve angels and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. He that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof, and the city lieth four square. And the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth of the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof a hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, and that is of the angel. The building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass, and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth... Um, Sardinox, the sixth Sardius, the seventh Crystallite, the eighth Beryl, the ninth a Topaz, the tenth Chrysoprasus. I don't know what some of these jewels are, but they've got to be beautiful. The eleventh adjacent, the twelfth an Amethyst, and the twelfth gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the streets of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Heaven awaits for you if you're a born-again Christian. Our present bodies will be changed. They will be changed to resemble Jesus' glorious body or the resurrected body. He will make over our poor bodies to resemble His beautiful, glorious body. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we sons, children of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Wouldn't it be great? I think in heaven, when we talk about heaven, we talk about His glorious, glorified body. How many of you want to have a glorified body? Isn't it great when we're at funerals and so forth, we all say, no more will grandma have to suffer like that. No more will dad have to suffer like that. Or my sister or my brother. That our bodies will be transformed into His glorious, holy body. How wonderful and awesome is that. To be like Him.
You see, his body was not a spirit body. When Jesus met with his disciples after his resurrection, he made it very clear to follow to his followers that he was a real material being. He stated, in fact, in Luke chapter 24, verses 38 and 39, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that is, I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone, as you see me have. You see, when Jesus first appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, they were of the opinion that he was a spirit or maybe even a ghost. But Jesus immediately set about to make it clear that he was a live, tangible being. He not only told them that he had flesh and bones, but he had asked them to verify this fact by handling him. Thomas, who had happened to be absent at the first appearance of Jesus among the disciples, refused to believe that Jesus had appeared to the disciples in person. However, eight days afterwards, when Jesus made his second appearance, Thomas was then present. And Jesus was determined that Thomas also should be persuaded that he was a real material being. Before that, Thomas said, what do you mean that Jesus? It's a ghost. He's still in the grave. He's not alive. And Thomas said, you know what? If I'd see him, I would like to take my fist and just thrust it in his side. I mean, I want to see where the nail prints are at in his hands and in his feet. I want to see the stripes and the pain that he adored for you and for me. So Jesus walks up to him and he said, Hey Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. John chapter 20. When Thomas reached out his hand, he found that the Master was actually there in person. He felt the riven side and the print in his hands. And here's what he said. My Lord and my God. Doubting Thomas established for himself, for all other doubters, that certainly that Jesus Christ was the resurrected bodily that it was Jesus himself that he met in the upper chamber that day. Not an immaterial spirit. Just as Jesus Christ was real, tangible person who could be handled, so shall we be in the resurrection morning, for we shall be like him. When we come forth from out of the grave, our vile body will be like unto his glorious resurrected body. And those who are alive and belong to Jesus at His coming will not see death, but will be changed into immoral, immortal beings. When the voice of Christ sounds in the great day, the Christians who are alive will immediately be changed from mortality to immortality. They will not die. They will be changed. And those who are changed from mortality to immortality in the twinkling of an eye will look the same as those who come up out of the grave when they hear the great Master's voice. There's no difference between them. Then we will both be real, tangible, material beings who will be as real as Jesus was after His resurrection and as real as He is today and just as real as He will be when He returns in glory. And is seen by every eye. 
John 14 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also. And Thomas said to him, How can you know the way? How do we understand? And Jesus said to him, Realize this one thing. I am the way. I am the truth. And I'm the life. Jesus Christ is the way. He's the truth. And He's the life. What heaven will be like when this sinful and perfect body will then be transformed to be like His glorious body. How awesome that will be. You see, they question His mortality. But He said, hold on, time out here. Let's go up to the chamber and we're going to go ahead and eat. He said, while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, He said to them, Have you have any meat here? And they gave Him a piece of broiled fish and of honeycomb and He took it and did eat before them. You see, He wasn't just a ghost. He was Jesus Christ in the flesh. The resurrected body. God's heaven will be a very real place with real people in it. It is spoken of as a place where houses will be built and crops will be harvested. In my Father's house are many mansions. You heard me say, lay not up for yourself treasures upon this earth where thieves break in, where rust comes in and everything just corrupts. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. What are we doing? What are we doing? Where's our focus? Where's our goal? What are we doing in light of our relationship with Christ? I want to be like Him. You want to be like Him? Amen. All of us have a desire to be more like Christ. We will be busy in heaven. Isaiah 65, it says in 1721, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. You and I will be busy people. We will be building homes of our own and what homes they will be with unlimited time at our disposal. We could take our time and make something that is really grand. I've tasted some lovely grapes in my time, but I must say the very best will be as nothing in comparison to the luscious grapes of the earth made new. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, to think of the vineyards. I always say this to, to all of my young little people. I think it was to Owen. He was helping me one day. And I said to him, I said, Hey, Owen, you know what? I just want to say thanks a lot because you have now received your gold toilet seat. I really believe what God's Word has to say is true about heaven and about our relationship. We're not just laboring in vain. We're laboring so that the kingdom of heaven is built. We're laboring so that souls are saved and lives are changed. And across America today, churches have changed. Once you know up the street here, numbers were going down. The word church. So R.A. Vernon gets on the fish and says, I'm going to be in Akron, Ohio. Did you guys drive by there this morning? All because... A man is delivering the word. What have we done? 
Why get up out of bed if you haven't made it in the last six months? Who are you there for? Who are you going for? So I told my wife, why are we here? Why are we faithful? Because we should be building and hoping for our home in heaven. So we need to be not just busy about this life, but about the life hereafter. Instead of, I think, oftentimes we say, you know, uh, we'll see loved ones there. And that's what we anticipate. That's what we, we our driving forces for that great union day as we cross Beulah land. And heaven is referenced in so many different ways. But have we forgotten that we need to build the kingdom of heaven? Build an army that will come back and rapture the church on His great second coming. And then after the end of the tribulation... That that new heaven and that new earth will be reestablished here. Folks, you have the rest of your life to work for the Lord. You might as well start it now. Who will we know in heaven? Does the Scriptures clearly state that? Sure they do. Because I really believe that it's probably one of the most important elements that most of us want to know. My wife will say to me, Honey, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know you in heaven. I said, Well, we'll be changed into our glorious body. But I want you to listen as it says here that we will recognize our relatives and our friends and whom we have known here on this earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. it says, Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Isn't that awesome? It will be a great reunion. God's Word says, when heaven and humanity meet, it will be a great reunion day. You know what I love about death? It's the great reunion that takes place. How many of you have watched somebody pass? And when you watch someone pass that is God's child... It is so glorious. I watched my aunt. That was the first time that, that I had ever heard reference of it. And you know, you hear preachers all the time, and now I'm up here sharing this story with you. But I always tell folks, when someone passes, watch for heaven. Await for heaven. For you will see things and experience things that you've never thought was ever possible on this earthly life, because you don't. Because when God's involved, things change all around us. My Aunt Carol had passed away and was just such a a dedicated, loving lady who just, oh, she loved the Lord. Would sing some of the songs Tracy and I sing. We'll sing them now. And I can hear her singing the harmony. When we were just 10, 11, and 12, she'd say, Get in here, Todd and Tracy. We're going to sing. Your mom sings, you're singing. You know, and we'd all sing parts. And I mean, she just, you would have loved, you would have loved Aunt Carol. She ended up getting pancreatic cancer and passing away at 57. Is it 57 or, yeah, I think it was. And so, as she's passing, listen how beautiful this is. She's out of it. I mean, just that pancreatic cancer just taken from her life. As her eyes opened, And she looked straight up to where this TV was at. And she said, Is that you, Pastor Mac? Well, hello. And she named all these people that had passed. Every 
single one of them. Five different individuals she had named. There was a secretary that was at New Testament where I was a youth pastor for ten years. And as Marilyn was passing, she says, Lean, clear up in her bed. Set up and said, Hi, Mr. Loomis. How are you? The family was shocked. He had passed on beforehand. And she named three or four people that had passed on. That she named them one by one. Isn't heaven wonderful? Isn't it going to be a wonderful reunion? As the scripture says, as Paul was encouraging the church. Listen. You'll know them. You'll have that great reunion day. See, again, we talk about heaven by saying, listen, it's the pearly gates and the golden roads. and you know, it's, but, but to know that someday we will know them as they are. And that we'll have that great reunion day. It is a wonderful, wonderful, I think, reunion that we all get to anticipate someday as we get to see our loved ones. We will know others in heaven. We will know our children in heaven. And I know some of you probably feel like, you know, I've lost a loved one. Maybe you've had a miscarriage. Maybe there's a little one that, that's gone home to be with the Lord. But I want you to know, you'll know them for who they are. And it will be a great reunion day. You could see the children all grown up. One of the great pleasures that await fathers and mothers in heaven is to see the children grow up, whom with broken hearts and many tears they had laid in the grave. The angels will place them in our arms in the glorious resurrection morning and we shall see them grow up in an atmosphere of glory. That thought itself should spur us on never to give up, but to struggle on to win the prize of immortal life and to join the loved ones on the banks of the river of life. And I'm going to just end with this story today. I'm not going to continue my message. Because I have several notes about will we be missing our loved ones. But I want you to know that it says that we will run and we will not faint. We won't get tired. We won't miss our loved ones. Because the Bible says, you heard me read in verse 4 of Revelation 21, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. The former things shall not be remembered nor come to mind. There will be no more death. There will be no more night. For God the Father has taken away all that sadness and all that sorrow. Because we'll be in His presence. And I'll share this story and then I'll close. But I want you to know that heaven's a real place and it's a place that awaits all of us that are His children. And if you've never accepted Christ and truly believed on the name of the Son of God, today would you come and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? He's calling out to you. Remember, the Bible says you'll have your place in the lake of fire that burneth forever. I don't get up and preach. And I, just, to, just to say a few words, I get up to say, listen, we labor for heaven. We labor for a home that is sweeter than milk and honey, that flows the river of life. 
Go to Revelation 22. It talks about the river of life. And then you start to realize it. And I'm going to show you a little taste of heaven. As my dad was passing, and it's been four years now. I remember as my dad was passing, and and I remember three weeks before that, and I really believe that the Holy Spirit is so real and rich that He will speak to His children. You have to be receptive to hear it. And I remember the day that dad was diagnosed, and they said, your dad has three to six months to live. And I heard this voice that said, your dad will be gone in three weeks. So I calculated those three weeks out, and I made up my mind that, Okay, I've got three weeks to be with my dad, three weeks to get things taken care of, three weeks to fellowship, three weeks to stare at him, three weeks to remember all the good things about his life. One day I was sitting there in a the recliner and I looked, Dad said, would you stop staring at me, son? I said, well, Dad, life's short and I won't be able to see you maybe but a few weeks. So I always stared at him. And every minute that would pass, I said, I know God told me three weeks. Well, on that third week, it came, I made sure that my siblings were there, that everybody was in the house. This time, people were probably thinking, Todd's lost his mind. How does he know when God's going to take him home? We don't know the time nor the date. But I do know this, God spoke to me. A voice from heaven spoke to me. And so we, had, we were all there, and I remembered as... I, I, I was there, and I'm like, my hair is getting long. I know you guys laugh, but it was long to me. And I'm like, i got to run and get my hair cut. And so I ran and came back, and, and a couple from the church had brought over some baked potatoes and, and some meat, and it was a delicious meal. And as I was sitting there, I went in, and my stepmom was on one side of the bed, and, and I sat on the other side of the bed. And Dad was just sleeping. He'd been up that morning and was talking to everybody. And, and I remember as I took a bite of that baked potato... It was like cotton. I mean, I could, it didn't have a taste. It was like I couldn't get enough to drink, and the room turned pitch black. And I remembered this voice that went through my ear that says, Tell your dad goodbye. I'm taking him home. Well, for one moment, I I thought, What did I just hear? Is that coincidental? And then I began to weep. And I thought, I'm not ready for this. I mean, your heart's never prepared for death. You're never prepared to say goodbye. But I know for certain that in that three-week time, I talked to my dad, do you know Christ? Yes, son. Good old cathedral of tomorrow here in Kaga Falls. He walked out on the Rex Humbard and accepted Christ as his Savior. Never discipled, never grew in the Lord. But he said, that's where I made my profession of faith. But as I was sitting there, I thought, what's happening? As the time was spinning and, the, and things were taking place, I thought, is this for real? Is this really taking place? Is this happening? And so I looked at my dad and he was just sleeping. I thought, what am I going to do? Am I going to say goodbye to him? So I leaned up and I kissed him on the forehead and I said, I love you, Dad, and sat back down. And as sure as I sat back down, there was this voice that said, That's not what I told you to do. I told you to say goodbye. Wow. So I I just proceeded to turn. And as I looked at my stepmom, she was staring at me because I couldn't get my composure. And I said, could all my siblings please come in the room as we 
we pray over Dad. And I remembered that moment as I leaned over that bed and I kissed my dad's forehead and I whispered down in his ear, Have a sweet journey, Dad. Goodbye. Until we meet again. And then I remembered as we joined hands around that bed and I thought, wow, somebody's here in this room. Someone's among us. Is it my grandma or is it the angels? We don't know because we've never really seen heaven but for what Revelation has to tell us that it's about. Then all of a sudden as we prayed, we knelt by that bed and I remember taking my dad's hand and thinking how warm it was, but how at peace he was because he was sleeping. And then I prayed, and I remember saying to to Becky Tracy, what did I pray? Because I don't really even remember. But I remembered when I said, Amen. And as soon as I said, Amen, this rushing wind came out of my dad, and the Lord took him home. It was over. Folks, that wasn't coincidental. That's real. God's timing was perfect. And heaven awaited my dad. What angel of the Lord stood over me, I don't know. But I do know something for certain. That that old, wicked, sinful, corrupt, cancer-filled body was changed into that glorious body to meet the Lord in the air. And I know some of us have had some sweet parting. But I want you to know, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you know as a child of God that He wants to speak to you. And so that you can then embrace the power of God in heaven. It's real. Heaven's real. Eternity's real. And I remembered three weeks before that when God spoke to me and said, on that day, He's going home. I was receptive to doing the work of the Lord. I was there as the Psalms 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff are with me. And they comfort me. During that time, I felt like we ushered him. There was no fear, for God was with him. God's with you today. And God wants to be with you today. Make heaven real. Realize just how awesome it is. And that some sweet day, in that sweet Beulah land, as you cross that river, that heaven will be a place that we will all achieve. That not only I as a pastor... Are you as a lay person? But we as a church have built the kingdom of heaven. Then I'm going to leave you with this pondering thought. If you knew Jesus was coming back in one week, listen to me closely. If you knew Jesus was coming back in one week, how would your schedule change? What would you do? You've got one week. You may only have one more hour. Because the Bible says you'll not know the time nor the hour 
when the Son of Man comes to rapture us. What have you done this week for eternity? What have you done this week for heaven? What have you done this week to build that relationship? What have you done to obtain that passport to heaven? Have you believed on Him? Do you know that He's the way? Do you know that He's the truth and the life? And maybe you got up this morning thinking more about number one right here than you did about the number one who's up there. I'm just encouraging you this morning. Maybe God's dealt upon your heart. Maybe He's reached down and said, I want to use you. I'm glad God used me in my life. And I'm glad that I was receptive to listening to the voice of God. He wants you to be just as equally receptive. You have it within you. And if you're His child, He loves you. And He wants to communicate with you. Remember, life's short. And what is done on this earth shall pass. But what is done for Christ shall last. What's your involvement going to be in the kingdom of heaven? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we're we're thankful, Lord, that we can come to you and realize that, Lord, someday you'll call us home. And the Father, that as you call us home, that we'll realize that our laboring wasn't in vain, but Father, that it was one that will continue to, to focus on you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for heaven. Father, this morning there's many that, that have hearts that are broken. And that, Father, we await the great reunion day in heaven as we'll get to see our loved one. And, Father, we're thankful that there will be no more sorrow, no more pain. No more tears will be shed there. But Lord, we'll we'll come into the presence of our holy God, our Father, who sent His Son to die for us. So Father, today, may we bow a knee before You. May May we bow our head. More than anything, may we bow our hearts and realize that heaven is a real place with real people. And Father, I pray that you'll challenge all of us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where there's no rust, no moths, and no thieves. But Lord, may our laboring not be in vain. But Father, may it be one that's well-pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to sing a